Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Fantastic. Well, we got a message for you today. We're down to our second to last message uh, on Joseph. And today what we're going to talk about is kind of Joseph's kind of stepping into things. He's stepping into the call of God on his life. And where we've been so far is that Joseph was a 17-year-old young boy who uh, was the youngest of 10 brothers, or 11 brothers. He was the youngest, and he was a favorite of his dad's. His dad loved Joseph because Joseph was born to, uh, to his dad's favorite wife. He had two wives, hello. And the, the, he had a favorite, and the favorite wife, Rachel, gave birth to Joseph, and, and that's why Joseph's dad, loved him. And so he made him a coat of many colors, hence our graphic. And he was the favorite. And so his brothers did not like him very much because he was the favorite. And so they had animosity towards him. Eventually, they went out into the field to go find his brothers. As you remember, they got there. And before Joseph even arrived on the scene, his brothers had planned how they could murder him because they hated so much that this guy had a dream that they were going to bow down before Joseph, the youngest favorite child. And so they didn't like him. They were bothered by him. So before he even arrived, uh, they planned to kill him. So when he got there, they took him, they threw him in a pit. And while he's in this pit, they decided not to kill him, but rather we're going to sell him into slavery. So he sold him into human trafficking. He was sold as a slave and eventually made his way to Egypt in uh, the kingdom of Pharaoh. And Potiphar saw this young man, saw he was well-built and handsome, grabbed him and brought him into his home. And immediately he began to experience incredible favor. But not too much time after that, Potiphar's wife took a liking to him because Joseph was a good-looking young man. He was strong and he worked hard. He was kind. And so she begged him week after week, day after day, to come to bed with me, come and sleep with me. You can have anything you want, including me. And Joseph finally said, no way. And he ran away. And when he ran away, she grabbed that coat. There's that coat again. Grabbed that coat and accused Joseph of raping him, of raping her. And so finally, Joseph got thrown into jail. Joseph's now in jail. He was in the, thrown in the pit for no reason, sold into slavery for no reason, uh, was accused of rape for no reason, and now he's in prison, and he's been there for probably three, he's going to be there for about probably three to four years in the bottom of this prison, wondering what the heck is going on, why am I even here? We read last week that the chief baker and the, I'm sorry, the chief cupbearer and the baker both had a dream, and Joseph interpreted that dream. In the first dream, he said, the baker is going to get impaled on a pole. You're going, get, you're going to get killed in the next three days. And chief cupbearer, you're going to be restored back to your position. And it happened. And on their way out, Joseph waved and said, hey, guys, remember, make sure you tell Pharaoh that I'm here for no reason. Please, please remind Pharaoh that I'm here. So three days later, it happened. They both were restored, or the baker was killed, and the chief cupbearer was restored back to his position with Pharaoh. And it says in the scripture that he completely forgot about Joseph. And Joseph spent two more whole entire years in the prison while this was happening. So today what we're going to do is we're going to read a scripture. And I want to apologize. It is a rather long scripture, but it's a story, so it's good to follow. But just to give you a little context to where we're going today, it starts in Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. Two full years later, Pharaoh now had a dream. 
It says, the next morning Pharaoh was very disturbed by his dreams, and so he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. And finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up today. I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. And there was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he predicted. I was restored to my position as a cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. Let me read that again. That's our key verse. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one can tell me what it it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. He says, it's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Joseph begins to interpret the dream. And in the dream, Joseph or Pharaoh had two dreams, one great dream, one scary dream. And he interprets the dream and says, what this means, the good dream means you're going to have seven years of an incredible provision. But the bad dream means you're going to have seven years of terrible famine. So you're going to have provision and you're going to have famine and things are going to be crazy. 14 years of this up and down economy. He says, that's what's going to happen. And then Joseph gives him a game plan. He says this, as for having Two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happy. This is verse 32. Now verse 33. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent. It's funny, I feel like he's describing himself. Uh, You should find an intelligent and wise man (laughs) and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it into Pharaoh's storehouse. Store it away, guard it so there will be food in the, the cities. And that way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. So Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? It'd be cool if your boss said that to you, your coworker, your wife, your, your husband, or in a relationship and says, man, where can we find someone that is so full of the Spirit of God They can help us get to the next level in our business. They can help us go to the next level in our life. That'd be pretty cool to say about you. Look what he says. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God's revealed this meaning of the dream to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are, you will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down! So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. It says in the verse that it happened quickly. He was in a, a prison for over potentially four years. 
accused of rape. Never once do we read that Joseph tried to prove himself uh, innocent. Never once did he try to vindicate himself in this season and say, I don't deserve to be here. I'm better than this. Never once did he go and we don't read about him writing letters to Potiphar or writing letters to Pharaoh or trying to wiggle his way out of the prison season. All we read is Joseph continued to serve in that season and quickly God brought him to the palace. Quickly. It happened in a moment. One day he goes to bed in prison, gets in his shackles and lays in bed and goes to sleep. And the next morning he wakes up, he's being rushed to the palace. One day you, you, you're, you're grinding out, you're working your job that you don't really like, but, but you're, you're being faithful and you're serving and you're, you're giving yourself to it. And suddenly you're invited into the boss's office out of nowhere to talk about that promotion that you've been thinking about. One, one day you're single and you're, you, you're, you're doing your thing and you're trying to stay pure and serve Jesus and keep your focus and you happen to go to that one coffee shop and across the room is Prince Charming giving you the googly eyes and out of nowhere you go from this single hopeless romantic to somebody who's now in a godly relationship like you didn't have before. In one moment you were in a prison season and now you find yourself in the, 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 the palace. One day you're praying for a ministry and you want to lead worship or you want to build a church or you want to be a missionary and you think, man, I want to do all these things and you're serving and you're giving. You're the first one there. You're the last one to leave. You're giving your money. You're giving your time. You're giving your effort. You're working hard. And one day a phone call come across the, 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 your, your phone and says, hey, I got an opportunity for you to take this church or to start that ministry to do that thing. From one moment, in the matter of an instant, you go from the prison to the palace and it has nothing to do with you. There's everything to do with God. In one moment, one day, in one instant, Saul in the Old Testament, Saul, King Saul, was looking for his donkey. It was an equivalent of an old truck. Someone, it had gone away. Someone had taken it. He was looking for his donkey, looking for his truck. And in one moment, he stumbled upon Samuel. And Samuel, he left, went in that, that place looking for a lost donkey. And he left that place as the king of Israel. Joseph, or I'm sorry, David, is out in the field, working the field, working the sheep. His parents have a party and don't even invite him to the party. Then Samuel stops the entire party and says, there's somebody missing. They go and get David. David walked in a young shepherd boy and walked out the next king of Israel. Ruth, Ruth's husband died. And after, she di after he died, she decided, I'm going to serve uh, Naomi. I'm going to give my life to Naomi. I'm going to serve her hand and foot. I'm going to give everything I've ever had in my life to serve this woman. And soon enough, she found her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And now she carried the very line of Jesus Christ, all because when she was in the prison, she had faith to believe that when it's going to happen, it's going to happen quickly. One day you're living your life, doing your thing, serving God. I want to put a little bit of holy fear in you today. Are you ready? Are you ready for when that second in command opportunity comes? Are you ready when that young man comes along and you've been looking for that relationship? Are you ready when that ministry comes? Are you ready when that opportunity comes? Are you ready when that boss comes to call you for that promotion? Because listen, some of the dreams of God for your life are going to happen whether you like it or not. They're on their way. They're going to happen. They're in the distant future. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to handle what God has for you? He went from being the, the chief 
worker over the prison to being the second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. How he had to get himself ready. He had to be ready to handle the pressures and the temptations and the challenges and the greatness and the money and the opulence. Are you ready for what God has in front of you? Are you ready? Because I want to tell you something today. It will happen quickly. You'll find yourself in the prison, and the next day, you're going to find yourself in the palace. And my question to you today, are you ready? Can you handle it? Will your character be ready? Will your heart be ready? Will your mind be ready? Will your relationships be ready? Some of the purposes and dreams of God for your life are going to happen whether you like it or not. They're going to come down the pike. Now, there's other ones you got to pray in. There's other ones, other prophetic words and dreams you got to pray in. You got to pray those things into existence. You got to pray those things to happen. That's why you shouldn't take any dream or prophetic word lightly and think that you can put it in autopilot and just coast to the river. Because yes, God will fulfill many dreams in your life. Whether you like it or not, despite you, God's faithful. He's going to fulfill it. But there are some that you must pray into existence and grab and say, this is mine. I'm taking a hold of it. I want this in my life. I want to be in a relationship. I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to get that promotion. I want to be in that ministry. You got to grab it. You got to pray for it. You got to expect it. And you got to prepare yourself for the time when you will go from the prison to the palace. There's three things I want to share with you today that need to happen for you to be prepared, but also these things will actually help you maintain during that season of promotion or the season of power or the season of authority or the next level for your life. And it's important that you understand something. God wants you to have a next level. He wants to promote you. He wants to take you to the next level. We'll get there in a minute, but this is not bad thinking. In fact, sinking thinking is thinking that you, where you are now is where God always wants you to be. That is not the case. There's a next level. There is more. There is higher. There is better. There is authority. There is power. There's promotion. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. And this is one of the biggest diseases throughout Christianity today. We settle for our life now when God says, my goodness, son and daughter, I want to give you so much more. All I have is yours. He wants to take you from the prison to the palace, very simple. There's three things I want to give you today that need to happen, I think, in your life before you get to the promotion. You're in the prison, get it, hear me. You're in the prison, the promotion's coming. You're in the prison, promotion's coming. You're in the prison, the power's coming, the authority's coming, the opportunity's coming, it's coming. That relationship you want to be in, is coming. That ministry you want to be in, is coming. That promotion you want, is coming. Why? Because that's God's will for your life. God wants to bless your life. Okay, so if it's coming, are you ready? And I want to give you three things to consider, three things you need to be thinking about, ideas, thoughts, positions you need to be in. Also, those three things will help you maintain this new place of promotion after when we start getting in the groove of it. And we start thinking that it has something to do with us. We start thinking that, oh, this is the new me. Well, actually, it's never been you. God's just faithful. <laughs> So how can we maintain it? The first thing is this. Preparing for maintaining God's promotion in our lives, very simple. The provider of the promotion is God. See, that's pretty simple. Well, it's pretty easy to get into a promotion and start thinking it's you. <laughs> 
pretty easy to get that job or that promotion or that relationship and start to forget that God gives the promotion. God gives the authority. God gives the power. Who was the interpreter of the dream? God was. Look what he says. He says, it's beyond my power to do this, Joseph. says, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this for you, but I know a God who can. God gave him the power. Look at this, Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. How about this one, John 19. He took Jesus back, Pilate took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? And Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Remember, he's talking to the creator of the universe. <laughs> then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Pilate was not a follower of God. Pilate was not one who, obviously, because he didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. And yet, Jesus says to this unfollower, non-follower, someone who doesn't know God and says, listen, even the authority and the power that you have is given to you from God. God gives all the power. He gives all of the promotion. You must recognize that when the day comes, when you end up in the palace, you must continually recognize and acknowledge that the only reason I have what I have today is not because I have my master's degree. It's not because I'm the smartest person in the room. It is only because of God's faithfulness. Look at this, Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenants he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. God doesn't promote you so that you can do so many great things because you do so many great things, nor is it because you've reached a certain apex in life and now he says, okay, now because you've done so many, you've banked up so much credit, I'm going to bless you now. That's not quite how it works. The timing is up to the Lord. The season is up to God. Our role is to make sure that we're not just thinking that we do good things, that we are being obedient to God's voice and his word. Yeah. Listen to this in Psalm 62, 11 and 12. God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. Power, O oh God, belongs to you and failing love. O oh Lord is yours. Look at this. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. I want to say this to you. Just doing good things, just living a good life, just attending church, giving your money, and doing all of these good things we do will not make you qualified for the promotion. There's a difference between being a good person, doing good things, and being obedient to the voice of God. There's a big difference. And look, in Mark chapter 10, we, we see it here. I share this verse all the time, but it's a good example of a man who was a religious teacher, and he believed he was good. He said, I do good things. Look what he says. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? This is Jesus. Jesus says, why are you calling me good? The reason this man said that was because this man was actually believing in his heart. He was trying to put himself on a parallel level with Jesus. He was trying to say, hey, 
Jesus, you're a good teacher and I'm a good guy. So I can't quite figure out how do I experience eternal life? How can I experience this great life? How can I have this relationship with you? How can I experience all these things? I'm a really, really good person. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. So it has to do with people. You must not commit adultery. People. You must not steal. People. You must not testify falsely. People. You must not cheat anyone. People. Honor your father and mother. People. Teacher, he said, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So this man's declaring something. He's saying, okay, God, I want to experience your blessing. I want to experience promotion. I want to experience the power. I want to experience the authority. I want to experience this next level for my life. I'm a really good person, God. I do all these good things. I think good. I act good. I do good. I'm like you, Jesus. He says, so how can I go to the next level? I'm good. I do good things. And Jesus says, listen, there's still one thing you lack. Look what he says in the verse. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this time, this man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. The difference between this man's response is that he thought that if I just did enough good things, if I just acted good enough, then I'm going to be able to get the promotion. The problem with that is that the promotion, you could think it has something to do with the fact that you were good. See, when God promotes you and God wants to take you to the next level, I want, to, I want you to hear my words today. The way to go to the next level, to experience the promotion and the power and the authority that God has for you comes from you being obedient in the season you're in to the voice and the word of God. The more obedient to the voice of God you are, the more you will recognize that my God is the only reason I will experience any promotion in my life. The first thing you have to have before and after is you have to recognize that the, the, the provision of, of, of the promotion is directly from God and has nothing to do with how good you are. And the reason I wanted to make that point, because I think some of you in the room might be frustrated because you feel like you're doing all the right things. I know my wife and I even talked about this last night, and I was thinking about it this morning. When it comes to, for us, it's a home search. We've got some things on the home search. God, we do all the good things. We do this good. We do all good, God. Why is this not happening? And it hit me. Ah, oh, we think that because I'm being good, then God wants to give me something. God wants to give it to us anyways. Because he loves you. But you know who he really wants to bless? He really wants to bless those who say, all right, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to your word when it's hard. I'm going to listen to your voice in this prison season. When I don't get it, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to work this bitterness out of my heart, this anger out of my, my, my heart, and this, this unforgiveness out of my mind. I'm going to prepare myself, God. I'm going to yield to your word. I'm going to be obedient. You want me to give all my possessions to the poor and come and follow you? Yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. That's why that man would not experience the promotion that God had for him because he thought that he could just be a good person and then God will bless me. No, God wants to bless you, but he wants your heart, not just your external good is do-goodism. He wants your heart. He wants your heart because he wants to prepare you for the palace. Second thought here today. Second thought is this. The position of the promotion is servanthood. So the provision of the promotion is God. And the position 
of the promotion, the, the position you're in when you receive the promotion, the position you will be after you receive the promotion. Very simply, I know this is simple, but I think the simple makes sense, is servanthood. Look at this, Genesis 39, Joseph is in Potiphar's house. Look what it says. In Potiphar's house, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. He's in slavery as an, as an employee in Potiphar's house. He served, and God succeeded him and was with him. Now he's in the prison. Verse 23, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Joseph served. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Joseph was a servant. He had the heart of a servant. Everywhere he went, he served. He served. He served. He served. He served. He served. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his life. It wasn't about his promotion. It wasn't about his fulfillment. He served others. He served others. He served others. He continually served with excellence everywhere he was. He served in his business. He served his friends. He served his wife. He didn't have a wife, but in your context, he served his wife. He served his husband. He served his children. He served and served and served to the point, oh, do I have to keep serving? Yes, because God wants the heart of a servant. That's the person God loves to promote. That's the greatest in God's kingdom. It's not the televangelists on TV who drive their Rolls Royce and have their big jets, which is whatever. Not those folks. It's the person in this room right now who has a heart to serve Jesus and other people. This is the heart of Joseph, and this is why it went quickly. This is why it happened fast, because Joseph had been serving in every season he was in. Look at this, Matthew 20. This is a funny verse. This context is actually James and John's mother came to Jesus to try to work out things in, uh, for their son. She came to them and said, hey, I want my sons to sit on your right and your left hand in your kingdom. <laughs> There's other same scriptures which believe that maybe the mother didn't say this, but it was like James and John were saying, we're the greatest in the disciple group. We're the top dogs. Look at this for a minute in this verse. The other ten disciples were listening to all of this. The mother asked about being great. And a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. And they were all arguing about who was going to be the greatest in, in Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule, rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The one who desires to be great is what the ESV says, or the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the son of a man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. I want you to notice something about this verse. As I said in the ESV, it says the one who desires to be great. Jesus did not reprimand them for wanting to be great. He didn't reprimand them for wanting to have promotion. He didn't reprimand them for wanting to go to the next level. He didn't reprimand them for wanting to see success in their business or start a new practice or find a relationship or have children or want to own your own company that's worldwide. God never reprimanded them for saying, I want to be great in your kingdom. 
So actually, do you know that you were actually wired to want to be great? You were actually wired to want promotion. Now, I, I for a long time, pushed away this desire because it was rooted in pride. It was rooted in evil. It was rooted in selfish gain. But recently, this the desire for, oh man, God, I really believe you're calling our church for something great. Like, Lord, I'm seeing, Lord, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people come into Jesus Christ through Love City Church. They might not see it now, but I see it in my heart. I see marriages restored and I see people from addiction being restored and I see a, a large environment where people are coming to experience the presence of Jesus. I see that in my mind. There's nothing wrong with the desire to be great and to have promotion as long as it is for the right reason. Look at the scripture in Genesis. I'll read this the first part of it, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God said, hey, I'm going to create you in my image. And as you're in my image, woman and man, I want you to go have dominion. I want you to go have authority. I want you to go have power. I want you to rule. I want you to reign. I want you to do these things. But a little sneaker snake, the devil, came and twisted this greatness. Look what he says in the very next chapter, Genesis 3. Mary or Adam was worried that maybe the, she couldn't eat from the tree and the serpent said, oh, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open. Look at this, as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. So there's a difference between wanting to be great for the kingdom of God and being great to be like God. And then Jesus did this again, Satan did this again in Matthew 4. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you. He said this to Jesus. If you simply bow down before me, just lay down your godness, lay down your humanity, lay it all down and follow after me. And guess what? I'm going to give you everything that you see. See, there's a difference between greatness that's honored by God and a greatness that comes from the enemy. It's important we understand that because there is nothing wrong with you and I wanting to experience promotion in our life. Look what it says. The greatest among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Look at this. Because the greatest honor and the greatest authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. Look at that. The greatest authority. The greatest promotion. The greatest ministries, the greatest businesses, the greatest marriages, the greatest parenting opportunities, the greatest authority and power and blessing and provision on this world is reserved for those who have the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant is simply somebody who is humble. Look at these few verses, James 4, 9, 4, 10, I'm sorry. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up in honor. Listen, some of you are in the prison. Some of you are still in the pit. Why can't I get out of here? It's because you haven't humbled yourself. Yes, I have. No, you haven't. I know this is hard to hear, but a lot of times when we think we've humbled ourselves, <laughs> you haven't humbled yourself. And there's two ways you can do this. Either God can continue to humble you until you come to a place where, you're, where, where it just doesn't feel great, guys. Or you can say, all right, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to give up all my ideas, 
my ideologies, my philosophies that are rooted in my own ideas and thoughts. And I'm just going to say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever relationship, whatever partnership, whatever season, whatever time, whatever, whatever, whatever you want from me, God, I will humble my own opinion, my own perspective, my own ideas, and yield it to your word. You watch what happens. You will be lifted up quicker. But because I'm learning in this season, the more I yield my own agenda to God's word, I yield my own agenda to the authorities in my life. I yield my heart and say, okay, God, if I continue to have the heart of a servant and just continue to serve, whether I get noticed or not, whether you get seen or not, whether anyone knows it or not, whether we're this or that or this or this, it doesn't really matter. As long as my heart is to serve the Lord, you're going to open your eyes. You're going to be like, where are we going? Oh, we're taking you to the palace. Why are we going to the palace for? Oh, I don't know. We're just going to the palace now. I don't just, the order's from God. You're going to go to the palace now. Are you ready? Shave your beard. Get ready. Because now's the time. The sooner you can humble yourself, let go of all your own ideas that may be rooted in selfishness and bitterness and your own perspectives, and yield yourself to God's word. Allow him to heal you. Allow the bitterness to subside. Let him root out that root. Let forgiveness come. You'll find yourself in the palace. Let's read one more verse and then we'll do our third one. I'm going a little bit over today. Forgive me. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Look at this. So, humble yourselves into the mighty power of God. Look at this. And when... At the what time? Right time. At the right time. At the right time. Some of you here today, you're very frustrated about your timing. I've been there. Sometimes I even feel like I'm there now. Listen, there is a right time. So the sooner you can allow God to have his timing the sooner you're going to enjoy the beautiful, fresh air of Calgary. It's coming. It's coming. You get what I mean, though. (laughs) The sooner you can recognize that God has his timing and you're just trying to recognize that God does it and then I have a heart of a servant, you're able to walk outside instead of worrying about the time you're, smell that air. Look at that beautiful tree. (laughs) Ha, ha. Oh, man, look at my daughter. She's getting so big, nine years old, looks so pretty. I get to spend time with her. You start to focus on the things that are right in front of you (laughs) and recognize that the timing of the Lord is right on time. Last one here today. Thank you for your patience. Number three, the purpose of the promotion is to help others. Very simple stuff. The purpose of the promotion is to help others. Look at this verse, and then we'll come to a close. Psalms 105, 17. So God decreed a famine upon Canaan land, cutting off their food supply. But he had already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph. Okay, so we've heard the story for seven weeks of Joseph to this point. We've seen kind of the nuances, the inside. We've been in the story, walking along with Joseph, kind of learning. This verse takes us outside It takes us kind of to this picture where we're standing over here and we see the small timeline of Joseph here. God is giving us the purpose of the entire season. 
The purpose of the pit, the purpose of the prison, the purpose of being accused of wrong, the purpose of being mistreated, the purpose of impatience, the purpose of frustration, the purpose of not being liked, the purpose of having all of these challenges are over there on this timeline. And we stand back and we see, oh my gosh, this had more to do with God's people and the salvation of God's people and the reaching of people and the helping of people than it ever had to do with me. We've been focusing on Joseph, but what you don't know is that your season that you're in right now has less to do with you and more to do with the thousands of people that God wants to supply his need through, through your life. You are the conduit. Like I said earlier, God owns everything. Here's God. He owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. Everything in the Lord, everything on the world, the earth is the Lord's, all the supply, all the resources. And over here, we have a need. We have a dying world. We have poverty across the world. We've got people in the city of Calgary who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. We've got people in the city of Calgary who have never been to a great church. We've got people in the city of Calgary who are lonely and don't have friends and are addicted and are broken and are hurting. We've got a need. We've got a demand and we've got a supply. How do we get the supply, the land, the food that goes to Canaan to the people. Well, we need a Joseph. You are the Joseph. You have to understand something. This journey is not about you. I'm realizing this, guys. This journey of being on the potter's wheel for so long, feeling like God's doing this to me every single day, has less to do with me and my fulfillment and happiness and that new car, new house, new this, new that, less to do with that and more to do with the potential thousands of people, from my experience, potentially thousands of people that we could reach together for the kingdom of God, that can know Jesus, that will die and spend an eternity in hell. If you and I don't realize we have to have a servant's heart. We have to recognize that it comes from the Lord and that it really has nothing to do with you and me. It has everything to do with the people that God has called you to change and transform through his kingdom. You step back for a minute and you look at your life and you realize your life is about being a blessing. It's easy to get into the story and think, okay, here we are in Joseph's story. Okay, it's about me feeling happy. It's about me feeling love. It's about me, maybe I want that beautiful home. Or, man, it's about me having accolades or having a degree or I want to have an album or I want to have a church or I want to have kids. Those things aren't bad. On an individual level, they're all good. God willing, you'll have those things on the journey you're on. But you have to remember, in order to stay the course, in order to prepare yourself for the palace, in order to maintain the season when you're in promotion, oh, this really isn't about me. This really isn't about us. This is about the thousands of people who need Jesus in this city. This is about the thousands of people that need money to build churches and money across the planet. This is about the thousands of people who need to hear that worship song. This is about the thousands of people who need to hear the message of Jesus. This is about the thousands of young people who need to be understand the things of God. This is about the thousands and thousands of people in your life. I want you to see that today. That your story right now has less to do with you and it has everything to do with the people that God has called you to reach in your life. I know I went a little over today. I really wanted to share that message with you today because I just believe that if we can recognize that it's God, have a heart of servant, and realize it's really not about us, you're going to be rushed into the palace. And then when you get there, you won't turn prideful and arrogant and focused on yourself. You're going to stay humble, stay consistent, 
You'll maintain it. And you'll always remember that this is just about helping people know Jesus better. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? What we're going to do this morning because of our time, I'm just going to pray. James is going to sing a famous song, How Great Is Our God. Can we sing that, James? If you want to stay in worship for a minute, I encourage you to. If you want to pray, I'm just actually going to stand right here. Bassie as well. Ryan's going to join me. And if you want to pray today, I'd love to pray with you. I want to lay my hands on you and pray with you. See, Ryan, I just need some prayer for the season I'm in. Would you close your eyes for a moment as I pray? Father, we just thank you for today. And Lord, we believe that, God, that your word is true. I pray for those who are in the prison and they've been there for a long time, God, and they're feeling a little bit restless. Lord, I know I've been there. I know sometimes I feel like I'm there. Right now, Father, I pray that you would come and you would remind them, God, that it isn't about them. Father, it's about you and it's about the people that they will serve one day. I believe there's people in the room right now who've had dreams for businesses and dreams for uh, practices and dreams for worship albums and dreams to be in ministry and dreams to have children. Lord, I speak to those dreams today and I say, Lord, according to your will, let it be so. Rush them into the palace, oh God. I pray that all every dream in this place, every percolation of purpose in their heart, Lord, that it wouldn't be pushed down. It it wouldn't be subsided. It wouldn't be something that they disregard. But today, Father, light that fresh thought in their heart once again. Let them dream once again in the prison to believe that one day the palace is coming. It's coming. And Lord, you get all the glory. You get all the glory, Jesus. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for this one awesome summer day, God, for all those who are part of Love City Church, God, who are out and about. We pray you bless them, Father. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.